We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. This week's message is taught by our teaching pastor, Brian Hunt. From wherever you're listening, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Hey, good morning, Crossroads. How are you? It is Pastor Brian. Um, Welcome, 10 a.m. service. Good to see you guys. Glad to have you with us here this morning. I want to give a shout out to Alfredo, who was in the Navy for us this Memorial Day weekend. want to say thank you to you. Uh, Leah said something that was really important. She said that I love being able to connect even though I'm far away. So Leah, we're so glad you're able to connect. And one of the questions we asked you if you were on the the online was, what was the most courageous thing that you did? And Shelly said that she went bungee jumping at the age of 13. So that's amazing. So I'm, I'm just glad everybody has joined us, all you courageous, courageous folks out there. Thanks for tuning in and being part of our community this morning here at Crossroads. But our mission is the same. We want to lead people to discover Jesus and follow him fully. Uh, even if you have bungee jumped and you might meet Jesus quicker, we want you to know who he is and follow him fully. We want to help you do that any way we can. That's why those chat hosts are available to you right now. They would love to connect with you and Robbie and Pastor Jimmy. Just so grateful for all of you that are helping behind the scenes. Uh, guys, everything continues to change all the time. You know, this, this COVID thing continues to have a mind of its own. Uh, and it's great to see things starting to open up. Cities are opening up, different things are being loosened here or there. And I just encourage everyone to be patient and to be kind to one another and to have patience, especially with churches as they figure out the next steps that they need to do to be able to keep people safe and to, to worship together. And so, God, I, I just I pray that God would do something fantastic through this time as we maintain our cohesiveness together. So thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your patience. But thanks for joining us at Crossroads Online, because this is what we do all the time. It's not just a COVID thing. It's an all the time thing. And so we are great that you're with us as a part of our campus. And, and I mentioned being because that's an interesting thing. We want to learn how to be in this situation where we're at, we are right now, which is why we started a series that's called Be. We wanted to learn how to be with God. Before we start doing anything, we want to be with God. And week one, we actually, on Mother's Day weekend, we began the series talking about how we need to learn to be still. To be still with God before we do anything else. And we all learn how difficult that possibly, that, that definitely is. Because our natural reaction is we want to connect with God by doing, not by just being. However, when we slow down, we actually learn to, to be with God first. It gives us these huge promises that he'll tell us as we be with God. And one of the promises is, is that he'll help us take steps faster with God than, than if we didn't be with God. Like if we just are still and we hang out with God, we actually learn how to, to be with God quicker. And then last weekend, our recovery pastor, Pastor Jimmy, who you just saw in the lobby there, he came in and he crushed it. He crushed it. He was talking about how we need to be holy. And I love one of the things that Pastor Jimmy said. He said, there is no way to be holy apart from being with God. And I think that's so important. That if our desire is to be holy, it has to be rooted in a desire to be with God. And anything short of that is only going to be looking like to to do holy things for God instead of being holy like God. Very big difference. So so this weekend, though, we, we turn our attention, this Memorial Day weekend, we turn to the next B that we see in the Bible, and that is to be courageous. To be courageous. And, and before I go on, I just should say that if you missed either one of those messages, I, I think that we're going to put a link in the chat host there so you can go back and take a look at those. <laughs> Not right now, maybe a little bit later. You can catch up on Be Holy and Be Still. We'd love for you to do that. But we talk about Be Courageous this week. 
And I love when sermon series kind of align without any effort. You know, I just love it when that happens. I love that this weekend is about how to be courageous and it happens to fall on Memorial Day. What a better visual for strength and courage than, than the military that protects our very freedom that we enjoy right now. So, so this is a time of the year, usually where we have a chance to remember those that have given so much, men and women that gave up their lives so that we could live in the freedoms that we enjoy today. And I wish that I was with you and I could give you a hug or a handshake or tell you thank you myself and to remember those that had fallen. But in this time, it's nearly impossible to do that. So perhaps you could just do this for me today. There's something different. In the comments below, would you please identify yourself? If you have served in the military, you currently are serving, maybe identify somebody that has fallen in the military so we could just honor you. Like Alfredo in the Navy, thank you, Alfredo, for what you've done. And so let's at least give you some digital praise right now and just say thank you from the bottom of our heart. And, and as you do that, let me uh, tell you why Memorial Day is near and dear to me and why it really matters for us today. So what I want to do is I want to tell you about my grandpa Hunt. I want to tell you about my grandpa Hunt. Grandpa Hunt, Robert, Bob, he, he was married to my grandma Helen for almost 64 years. But, but earlier in their marriage, in the spring of 1942, my grandpa drove to Ames, Iowa, and he enlisted in the Reserve Corps. And it was very, very quickly that he got called to active duty. In fact, it was actually one month after my uncle Bob, his first child, was born. And he was shipped overseas just eight months later. He was a member of the 463rd Bomb Group, 774th Bomb Squadron H, which was known as the Swoos. That's pretty cool. He, he arrived in Italy in, in February of 1944, and he participated in the air offensive in Europe. Grandpa Hunt was a second lieutenant and a bombardier in the B-17 aircraft. And if you look at that picture, you'll notice there's a glass case on the front of it. He was a nose gunner right in the front of the plane. And that's that's gnarly right there. He actually returned safely on 13 combat missions. It was on his 14th combat mission, though, that his plane was shot down over Wiener Neustadt, Australia, on, on Austria on May 10th, 1944. He was severely wounded, um, but he somehow survived parachuting down from the plane. He landed in the water below, and there was a race, he said, between the Germans and the English to see who could get to him first. The Germans were first. He was captured and he became a prisoner of war, a POW. Ne nearly died because of his injuries. He recovered miraculously after 60 days in a POW hospital. And then he was held at various prison camps throughout Germany during his time. He was held captive for 12 months, one year, and actually recorded his time in the camps in this journal. And, and on its cover, it, it was made out of actually, if you look closely, tin cans that he had collected around the camp. And inside that, that journal, though, was the definition of mind over matter, as my Uncle Randy would say. Reading through it, such a gift. It was so cool to be able to hear about it. But it was on April 29th, 1945, after a 10-day-long march in sub-zero temperatures, that he went to his final prison camp in Mooseburg, Germany. And that was when General Patton's 3rd Army rescued my grandfather and the other 2,000 POWs that were being held. He was taken back to the United States, cared for, and reunited with my grandma. They, they moved to the great city of Rapid City, South Dakota. They raised their four boys there, Bob, Phil, Randy, and Paul. But my dad and my uncles, they remember something that my grandpa used to say and was born out of his time as a POW. And he used to say this. He would say, I never want to be hungry. I never want to be cold. Beyond that, 
Everything else is a bonus. That's my grandpa, Hunt. That's my grandpa. I, I mean, I love him. Miss him. I'm darn proud of him too. He taught me so much about hard work, determination, never giving up, being kind, the power of humor in every situation, and also how to be a great husband to my wife. He's my hero. He's somebody that embodies courage. And, and you might be saying today, you know, be in your living room somewhere, well, well, that was nice, but what does that have to do with like anything, Pastor Brian? Well, it actually has to do a ton with what we're going to talk about today. Uh, it's a whole bunch. This week, we're going to continue to look at the ways God wants us to be by looking at how he calls us to be courageous. That after we learn how to be still and we be holy, our next step is to gain a whole new awareness of the strength and the courage that is found in living a life for God. Which means that we now are empowered with a courage that is not from us, but it's only from God. See, I believe that courage and strength are inextricably linked together. Because if you see someone that's courageous, they also are strong. And if you see someone that's strong, you could bet that there is courage that's interwoven into, the, into their story. But before we all think that we have to go get face paint or get matching tattoos or go bungee jumping like Shelly, like I, just, I just want us to remember something. Courage is not about being reckless or doing crazy things just because. And being stronger isn't about lifting weights and being built like a house. No, no, true courage and true strength come from way down deep inside us where only God has access to. It's the place where fear and embarrassment and anxiety and doubt are thrown out into the cold night like a bouncer would do at a nightclub. And courage and strength do not care about your size or your age or your experience or your bank account. Because frankly, some of the strongest and most courageous people in the world couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag and they probably can't lift a box of pancake mix. Like Mother Teresa, for instance. She was one of the smallest people you would probably ever meet. And yet her courage and strength helped the poor and the outcasts in Calcutta, India. It's unmatched. What about a man by the name of Wilbur Wilberforce? He was a British man that never fought once in a war, but he single-handedly helped to fight slavery in Great Britain. What about Johann von Hust? He was a Dutch educator who helped, a, who helped rescue 600 Jewish boys and girls from the hands of the Nazis in the Netherlands. Men and women like these, who I would put their courage and strength up against anybody that was physically stronger than them. Any day. Because the effect that this type of courage has on others is unreal. The late Pastor Billy Graham once said these words. He said, courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. But how does that happen? And, and I'll tell you right now, you don't just wake up one morning and all of a sudden become strong. It, it, it's like saying, you know what, I'm going to go to the gym and I think I'm going to bench press 225, squat 405 and hang clean 275 today. When you haven't lifted in a decade and you might not even know what half of those words mean. That is going to end really badly, probably in a hospital somewhere. No, no, you have to progressively work up to that weight. And, and guess what? You can't just wake up one morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be courageous today. I'm just going to do crazy stuff. I'm just going to do it. No, no, no. When it comes to understanding the strength and courage God wants you to know in your life, it happens one faith-filled step at a time. One faith-filled step at a time. But it starts by walking in the truth of what God says, of what he says that who you are, and none of the things that we tell ourselves that we're not. Which, which is why I want us to understand this. 
especially when it comes to courage and strength, when it comes to God. I want you to think of it this way, that strength is God in us and courage is God through us. That's right. Our true strength is God inside our life. Courage is an outworking of that where God is working through us. And I love how this has lived out in the life of a couple people in the Bible. We're going to look at two of them today. And the first is a man by the name of Joshua. So if you have your Bibles with you today or those Crossroads Grace apps, if you haven't opened those or downloaded that yet, I certainly would encourage you to do that. And you can go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. And while you do that, let me tell you why Joshua is one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible. And, and here's why. He was a soldier in Moses' army. And we first meet him in Exodus chapter 17. And, and Moses was the leader of the people of God. And he's a pretty big deal. I mean, he saved the people from Pharaoh. He got them out of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. Uh, he defeated Pharaoh's army by having that cr the waters crash back on him. We, we talked about that a few weeks ago. So he's a big deal. And he was kind of in charge of the whole Israelites, including the armies. And so Moses sent Joshua to fight against a vicious enemy known as the Amalekites. And Joshua was successful. And he became known as a battle-tested warrior that was trustworthy and dependable. And so from the success in that battle, Moses then entrusted Joshua with another assignment. And that was to take 12 other soldiers, actually 11 and Joshua, to go spy on a land known as Canaan, where they were destined to live. Ten of the spies, ten of the twelve, came back and they were freaked out. They, they couldn't believe the size of the people were there. I don't know if they were like Wookiees from Star Wars or what it was, but they were freaked out. But Joshua and another man by the name of Caleb came back and they said, we can take them. We got this. If we, if we got God with us, we could, we could do this. And so Joshua separated himself from the rest of Moses' soldiers as someone that could be trusted immensely and had natural leadership ability. Which is why when it was time for Moses to die, Joshua was chosen by God as Moses' replacement. And as God is preparing Joshua for this brand new task that he was about to take on, he says these words to him, which I think are really interesting. Verse 6, uh, Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 6. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Now, why in the world would God need to tell, tell a battle-tested warrior to be strong and courageous? D don't you think that that's already interwoven into who he is, like the lining of a bomber jacket somehow? I mean, not necessarily. Because what Joshua had been called to do is outside of his comfort zone. Being a warrior and being a general, two totally different things. Being the leader of an organization and being part of an organization, those are two different animals. But you know that this is true. 10 o'clock service on a Sunday, you guys know that this is true. Right where, at, in your couch, on your chair, you know this is true. That when you come home from work or you're in your break room or you have a conversation with your spouse, isn't this true? Don't you say, if I were the boss, I would do this. And this place would be so much better with me in charge. If I was in charge, I'd have this place fixed up in no time. Goodness gracious, aren't the best leaders in the free world right now sitting in McDonald's coffee shops across America? I mean, you know what I mean? We all, all of us, think that we can be the boss and do it better. I'm no different. Absolutely no different. Goodness gracious, when I worked in my old church in Chicago and I wasn't the lead guy, oh boy, did I have all kinds of ways that I thought things could work differently. I thought I was the second coming of ministry in my eyes. Was never disrespectful, never disobedient, never lost sight of the mission that was there. I just thought there's some things that could be better. 
But then I became a lead pastor. And I realized how much was on the shoulders of a lead pastor. And all the decisions of a lead pastor and all the eyes that are on you as a lead pastor. Can I tell you that this COVID thing has made me realize how many eyes are on a lead pastor. And because of all of that, I had a whole new respect for my leadership. In fact, I called them up and I said, all right, I get it now. You guys were awesome. And I said, thank you for all that you did, because frankly, I had no idea. Joshua was moving into a new role. He wasn't sure that he could do it. Just didn't know. And when God calls you and I to do something new, it could be really gnarly. When God calls you to leave your job and start something new. When God tells you that you shouldn't leave your husband, but you should love him even when it's hard. When God tells you to approach that friend that something's off in their life. When God asks you to be faithful with your money, even if you don't have very much. When God says it's time for you to stop having sex with your girlfriend. When God gives you position beyond your expertise. It's in those very moments that God calls you and I out of the normal and into the deep with him. When your comfort is shaken and you are smack dab in the middle of the uncomfortable will of God. It's then that you and I need to remind ourselves that we need to be strong and courageous. Joshua needed that. And God knew it. That's why he kept telling him over and over. Look in verse 7. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God tells Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not get distracted by how great you are or the victories that you've had. I want you to stay rooted in what I tell you and stay grounded in God's word. He says, go with what you know is true. Do you want to know how to remain strong and courageous in God when you don't feel strong and courageous? You stay connected to this book right here. You stay connected to this book. You keep your nose in the word and not in the world. And if you don't believe in God here today, I just want to tell you, thank you so much for being here. You are always welcome here. I am so grateful for you. You're here. And you might be actually thinking this day today, though. Like, are you kidding me? Like, bald man, are you kidding me? This old book is going to help me be courageous? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because when you read this book, you are going to hear God tell you things. Like this in 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. 1 John 4.4 4 is going to say, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them, because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Old Testament, Deuteronomy 31.6 will tell us this. It says, it really does say, trust me, it says this. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord, your God, goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Every page that you turn in this Bible, God is going to tell you that on your own, you can't. But with my strength, God says, you can. God says, go with what I have given you. 
Joshua was so unconfident in his leadership that God had to tell him this phrase, be strong and courageous three times, just for him to get it. Why? Because Joshua was anything but strong and courageous. He was scared. He was weak because taking over from Moses, that's a big deal. I mean, Moses was like the man. I mean, Moses had parted Red Seas and he'd turned water into like He'd just done all this kind of crazy stuff. But, but here's the key for Joshua, the key for us today, is that life is about what God says we are, not what we say we are not. Guys, the world has no shortage of people that will tell you what you're not. It wants nothing more than to show you how much you have missed the mark. But when we choose to be with God, we become convinced that what he says is in us. We, we, we come to convince that what he sees in us is more important than what we can't see in ourselves. And, and let me show you how this kind of played out, how God, this God-given strength and courage played out in the life of another epic figure in the Bible. His name is David. And, and David was actually the youngest of his brothers. And so if you're out there and you're young, junior, senior, higher out there, I just want you to know and listen carefully to this right now. He was the youngest of all of his brothers. And the youngest of the brothers, that really didn't mean much because you didn't get land or position or you weren't going to you know, inherit anything. So you were just the youngest. And so you often had to do things that you didn't want to do. But, but David was the youngest and the rest of his brothers actually one day went to war. They were, they were fighting. And in fact, they were fighting the Philistines. And, and David's dad one day came out to him, brought him in for the fields. And he says, hey, I want you to take some food out to your brothers. They're fighting and I want you to take some food. I don't know, maybe it's In-N-Out or Chick-fil-A or Panera. I'm not sure what it was. But they, he grabbed it and he was going to take it out to them. He goes out there and when he gets there, his brothers are not all that excited to see him. But he gives them the food. He's like, here, take your chicken sandwiches, whatever. But as he's there, he hears that there's a commotion kind of going on where they were fighting. And he heard this loud, booming voice coming from the center of the battlefield. And he looks out and he's like, who the heck's that guy? Who's this windbag out there? And they said, well, this is Goliath. And he's nine foot tall and he taunted the, the army of God every day. He would go out and say, bring me somebody to fight, you know, pound his chest. And every day they wouldn't send somebody out because they were scared. Well, David said, are, are you kidding me what this guy's doing? He says, I'll go fight him. So, so King Saul actually overheard this and he, he brings David in. He says, well, if you're going to fight him, you need some armor. Puts all of King Saul's army, uh, armor on him. It looks like, a, like an overgrown C-3PO, basically. And he's like, no, nah, I can't do this. He takes over, takes off the armor. He says, I got this. He got this. And he brought his sling and he brought his smooth stones with him. And he goes out in the middle of the battlefield. And, and Goliath sees this little boy coming at him. He starts to laugh and he says, what are you bringing out this small little guy to me? And, and, and David he stood in the middle of the battlefield, surrounded by all of the, the Philistines and the Israelites surrounding him. In the middle of the battlefield, he looks up at this nine-foot giant. And it says in 1 Samuel 17, he says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, <laughs> but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands into, and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Little David said that to a big nine foot Goliath. So no matter where you're at, how old you are, how young you are, how sick you are, how healthy you are, you could be David looking up at a nine-foot giant. And those gathered there knew 
that this was going to happen. My friends, you just need to know this right now. You just need to know this. That you need to know that the reason a small boy can look up at a nine-foot giant and tell him he's going to cut his head off is the same reason that you can be encouraged and you could have courage to fight for your marriage, to take the promotion you think you're not ready for, to fight that disease, to be patient with your kids, to not lose your mind during the COVID shutdown. It's because when God's strength is in you, there is nothing, there's nothing that can hold you back. See, see, too often we see ourselves at the mercy of so many things. We feel we're at the mercy of our lack of mistakes, our lack of experience, our lack of money, our lack of confidence, a lack of everything. And God's saying, I'm not limited by that. I'm not limited by anything. I'm telling you to be courageous, God says. He's telling you that right now, wherever you're at. And I actually saw this post this week that um, it kind of just floored me when I read it. And it drove home this point about courage so much. And I, I want to share the story with you. Um, th there's a young girl by the name of Rachel Handlin. And Rachel Handlin, she recently graduated from the California Institute of the Arts in Valencia, California. Very, very prestigious school. And she graduated with a Bachelor's of Fine Arts in Photography. And, and, and when she did, she, um, she actually has an exhibit of her pictures in, on display in New York City. That's a big deal. I love my kids' pictures. They aren't in display in New York. It ain't going to happen, right? But she does. And her exhibit is entitled Scooter Shots. And it's a series of fo fo photographs that was shot by the, in the reflection of the side view of a scooter. Kind of cool. But her dad, Jay, recently tweeted this. And I, I just wanted to share this with you. Uh, he said, this is my daughter. Rachel Handlin. Tonight she earned her full Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in Photography and Media from the prestigious California Institute of the Arts. He, he went on to say that I am officially the proudest father on the planet. Fight me. <laughs> I love it. Now all of our graduates, all of our parents out there right now would agree with the pride that Rachel's dad just felt. We're all proud of our graduates. We all are excited for them. So are you ready to re meet Rachel? Well, here you go. This is Rachel Handlin. That's right. Rachel has Down syndrome. But yet Rachel is a full college graduate. How cool is that? That's why I love our Sun Street ministry here, which is our, our ministry for, for adults with special needs. Some of the coolest people I've ever met through there. Just love to hear that. And I, I reached out actually to uh, Rachel's dad, Jay, and we were going back and forth on email. In fact, I got another one this morning from him. And just to get an idea of kind of a little bit about her story. And he was telling me that when Rachel was very young, the teachers wanted to just allow her to go into lunch and to recess with the other kids. And she had to do her own things on her own. And he fought to have her mainstream. He also said that when they moved to Hawaii, same kind of thing in their older grades. They wanted her just to be in a, in a certain class just with her own kids, which is fine. But he said, no, I want her to be in, in with the other kids. And so he fought for her and fought for her and fought for her. And this young girl had to be courageous every step of the way. And she has her bachelor's in, in fine arts right now. How cool is that? <laughs> but I should tell you, she's not done, though, either. Dad was very, very, very quick to tell me that she's planning on getting her master's from the Cal Art in Fine Arts, too. So she's not done. You're going to hear about Rachel, just like you're going to hear about a lot of our people in Sun Adults. Some of the best people on the earth come from there. But that is what I call courage. That's what I call courage. 
My friends, whether you are walking into a war zone like my grandpa Hunt or into a classroom at Cal Art like Rachel, God is calling you to be courageous. He's calling you to be courageous in your job, in your marriage, with your finances, with your family, in your personal life. He's saying, be courageous. See, life is about what God says we are, not what we say we are not. Let that sink into you today. Life is about what God says we are, not what we say that we aren't. So um, I, I just want to end our time uh, as we turn our hearts to communion and, and share a little bit of a letter from my grandpa Hunt. As we turn our hearts to communion, my, my uncle Randy sent me a letter that my grandpa had sent, sent him July 12, 1994. Um, he sent to my uncle and it was describing that day when he was liberated from Moosburg, Germany. And he described it this way, and I just want to share it with you today. Grandpa says, next morning, April 29th, 1945, 9 a.m., the first shells came over the camp and into Moosburg, taking out the steeple, as stated. Next came a lot of small arms and rifle fire from both sides. Next, a, a roar of tanks and heavy rifle fire as the tanks were moving right for the prison camp. The rifle fire ceased as the tanks roared into our compound. We looked over the perimeter of the camp and in, in Mooseburg we saw the most beautiful sight in the world, he says. The United States flag. Old glory was being raised by the USGIs on a pole on top of the old steeple. Listen. He says it meant we were free. As the tanks came into the camps and the GI soldiers with them, we thank God for the USA and the symbol of freedom, old glory. I, I couldn't imagine that. I, I could not imagine that. I couldn't imagine what a, my grandfather must have felt like after a year of being a prisoner held against his will, not sure where his next meal was going to come from in sub-zero temperatures. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, there it was. The proof that they were free. The flag of the United States flying on the steeple that used to held him captive now demonstrated that he was free. The roar of tanks, Patton's army coming in, all to remind himself that they were free and their time of being a prisoner was over. Can I just tell you something today? That the reason that we can be courageous is because Jesus has flown the flag of victory in your life. That's right. That, that, that you, without Jesus, you are a prisoner of war. You are a prisoner of your own sin because of what you've done. But Jesus has brought the tank of grace through that compound of sin. And he has said, now you are free because of me. All you have to do is take my hand and come with me. You can be free because of Jesus. But I can just tell you, there's too many of us that are sitting in the rubble of a prison cell of our own choosing. And we haven't seen that freedom yet. We haven't accepted Jesus's grace. And we're sitting in the rubble of a cell thinking that we're still a prisoner of war. And Jesus is saying, you're not. You're not a prisoner of your sin anymore. Take my hand. Come with me. Follow the flag of grace and I will show you a new life. My friends, that's what communion is all about. It's reminding us when Jesus came from heaven to earth to be able to live a life amongst us perfectly, to die a death that was meant for you and I, 
to go into a tomb that was meant for you and I, to defeat death that was for you and I, to then ascend to heaven to prepare a place for you and I. It's to remind ourselves that Jesus drove the tank of grace through our sin and he says, come with me. And you no longer have to be a prisoner anymore. Friends, that's what communion's about. We remember Jesus. And the best response to that is to accept him as our savior, to, to follow that flag of grace and to know that he loves us. My, my friends, I pray that you can do that today. That as we prepare our hearts for communion, that you would surrender your imprisonment and you would take the freedom offered in Jesus to be courageous. And if that's you today, this time is going to be for you. So as we prepare our hearts for communion, you get your cracker, your juice, or whatever you're going to use today. We're going to worship here in a second. And my encouragement for you is that you would let Jesus free you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Memorial Day weekend. And we are humbled by the men and women that put their their lives in the line for us each and every day. Men like my grandfather, who was a prisoner of war as he was fighting for our country. And for an entire year, he was a prisoner until that great day when he was liberated and the flag of the United States flew over his compound and he was free. Father, I know that there are people right now that are they're sitting in the rubble of a prison cell. It's a prison of sin and doubt and shame and guilt. And they don't know what to do. But today I pray that they would realize that there is a flag flying for them. And it's a flag of grace. It's a flag flying so that they could be free. And that is because of you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for their sins and you want to give them freedom. So I pray for those that are in that prison, they want to be free Would they just simply say, Jesus, you are my savior. You have liberated me from my prison and I want to follow you. I will leave my life of sin behind in those side, those prison walls, and I will walk out free with you to follow you the rest of my days. And that way I can be strong and I can be courageous. Not so that I can say how great I am, but I can say how great you are. God, you tell us that if anyone claims your son as Lord and Savior, they are free. The old is gone, the new is come. And in this moment, they can now be a new creation. God, I pray that that would happen. Please be with my friends as they make this decision today. And for the rest of us that know you, Jesus, help us to be strong and courageous in your name. Help us to live lives that are different and help us to know that you have set us free. We love you. We thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.